You're listening to the weekly podcast for Hillcrest Covenant Church. For more information, go to hillcrestcovenant.org. Hey, good morning. It's great to have you guys here this morning. Those of you watching online, hello as well. Um, I want to start this morning by telling you a story about a time that I was actually in India where, um, I don't think, Mel, you were never in Bangalore though, right? Yeah, but um, Bangalore, India is a huge, huge city in southern India. It's kind of the tech capital of India. And I was there with Don Stedman. A lot of you guys might remember Don Stedman. He was our missions pastor and as amongst other people. And when we were down in Bangalore, we were hanging out at this orphanage for part of our time. And this orphanage was one of those places where you, you kind of like walk into it and, and you are just blown away at the incredible just um, gift that the people at this orphanage are to the world. Like unbelievable, like incredible uh, people that help run the orphanage as well as the kids that are part of this orphanage. And um, attached to the orphanage is a school. And about 99.9% of the kids that go to the school are Hindu or Muslim. And about 0.1%, that might not even be the right number, are uh, what they would say are Jesus followers. And, and so um, one of the days that we were um, at the orphanage, they had asked myself and other people on our team if we would um, go to the school and kind of divide up and go to different parts of the school and meet with different age groups of people that were at this school. And so being that I was a youth pastor and specifically with middle school kids, I was asked to go and meet with the middle school kids. And so we um, crammed into this really, really tiny room. Um, there was like 150 kids in this tiny, tiny little space, no AC, so you can just imagine what it was like. And um, we were in this tiny little space and it was an opportunity for the kids to um, ask some questions to me. Um, and so while we're in this space, the first hand pops up and this kid's like, hey, so what's it like to be in school in America? They wanted to know what that was like. And so kind of shared with them a little bit what that was like, especially in middle school. Got a bunch of middle schoolers down here. Um, and certainly school in India is probably a lot different than it is here, but nonetheless, um, kind of shared with them what middle school is like here. And then they wanted to know about sports and, and about, you know, like they play cricket there. And that's probably something that, you know, we don't even, most of us know is a sport. It's just a you know, something we squash, but it's actually a sport in India that's pretty popular. And, and so kind of talked about sports a little bit, which I love sports. And so it's fun to talk about that. And then um, this one kid raises his hand and he was a kid that lived um, in the orphanage and he raises his hand and they had found out that I was a pastor. And so he raised his hand and he said, uncle, because that's what they call you there. They call you uncle. He said, uncle, I have a question for you. Um, can you tell us a story about Jesus? Okay, like there's your pitch, like lobbed, right? Like, like just, okay, perfect. So of course I said no and moved on to the next top. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, so I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to tell you a story. And one of the cool things that, are, that I love about India is they see just kind of maybe some healing stuff that we don't always see here. And, and so like, I felt like the Lord said, hey, share the story of when Jesus healed the paralytic. We talked a little bit about it last week. And so um, I started telling them the story about these friends that bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, and they cut a hole in the roof and lower him down, and, and, and Jesus heals their friend. And, and they go running out the door and praising God. And so I share that story with them and how cool it is that like when we, um, you know, have this, have encounters with Jesus, when we like meet Jesus, when we see him for who he really is, like it does something to us and it changes who we are. That was kind of the gist of our, our conversation. And when I'm done, 
this hand pops up in the air, and it's the same kid that asked the question, can you tell us a story about Jesus? And so I call on him again, and he says, uncle, would it be okay if I stood up and shared with my friends here why I'm a Jesus follower and why I think they should be one too? Think about the courage that that took, right? Like you think about, like you remember what it's like to be a middle school, right? Like, like almost everyone in this room at one point in their life were a middle schooler. We got some right over here. Um, and, and like you, it's, it's a scary time to be alive sometimes. It's an awkward time to be alive. And, and let alone raising your hand and standing in front of all your friends, telling them why you love Jesus. Yet this kid had the courage to do it. And he stood up and he just shared about how he was abandoned as a baby and, and how his mom left him at the front of the orphanage and, and just walked off and left him and how this, this woman at the orphanage who ran it like took him into this orphanage and raised him up and how he became this new creation, this new person because he was introduced to a relationship with Jesus. And it changed everything about who he was. And then when he got done, another hand pops up and it was another kid um, from the school, and he wasn't part of the orphanage, and he said, Uncle, do you think it would be okay if you came with us after we leave this room and went around to our different classrooms? And would you pray with us in our classrooms that Jesus would be the Lord of our life and of the classrooms? Isn't that crazy, right? Like, isn't that amazing? Like, like, like seriously, like, I couldn't believe what I was being asked to do. And so, so, again, I said no, and we moved on to the next thing. No, like, we went, and we literally went from classroom to classroom to classroom, praying with these kids, not just the Christian kids, but the whole school, like all the middle school kids. We went from classroom to classroom, and we would grab each other's shoulders, and we would pray that Jesus would be the Lord, not only of their life, but he would rule in these classrooms, and it was like this incredible holy moment where you got to, we got to see firsthand what a life that is made new in Jesus looks like right in front of us. It was unbelievable. And it was a moment that I'll never forget. And what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just... Um, show up in our life and answer simple little questions for us. Like when he comes into our life, he literally changes everything about who we are as a person. And this morning, what we're going to do is, is we're going to have an honest conversation together as a family about what our lives should look like when we're honest about Jesus. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus when he enters Jerusalem, the triumphant entry. Um, we oftentimes read and celebrate this at the time of um, Easter time when Jesus comes and he shows up. And it's the, the Palm Sunday story that we oftentimes read and the kids come down with their palms. But what I want to do is I want us to look at this story because I believe in this story. There are some critical questions that can be asked of our own life. And I believe these questions are critical because they're not just important for me to think about, they're important for all of us to think about. They're not just important for our neighbors to think about, they're actually really important for you and I to answer first. Because I think when we get serious about these questions, when we answer these questions for ourselves, I believe that Jesus is going to do something inside of us that's going to filter out to the people around us. And just like this kid raised his hand and shared about his love and his passion for Jesus, I believe that Jesus wants to do something new in your life. Whether you're like Mel and you were born in the church, you were de dedicated, baptized, like, like if that's you, that's awesome. And I'm so glad you're here. And guess what? Jesus wants to do something new in your life today. He's not done with you. 
Maybe there's some of you that are here and you go, man, I just got dragged here. You know, I showed up at my friend's house and they said, hey, we're going to go get you Jesus, Jesus-ed, if that's even a word, and I'm going to bring you to church. And you're here and you're kind of going, man, it's a little awkward right now and I'm not really sure why I'm here. I'm glad you're here too. And everybody between there, like I believe that Jesus has a reason. God has a reason for us being here and he wants to speak to your heart. And he wants to do something new in your life. And so we're going to look at two questions this week, and we're going to look at two questions next week. And I want to just encourage you, as we look at these questions, to be honest about what the answer is. They're not going to be hard questions to answer, but they might be hard questions to live out. And so as we dive into the text, I want to pray for us that God would give us the courage to be honest. We don't need to fake life anymore. It's not why we're here. We're here to be honest. And I believe if you're honest, something's going to happen. Something's going to trigger inside of you, and it's going to change you. And guess what? It's going to change those around you. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we get into this text, I want to pray. So, Lord, as we open up your word, God, as we dive into this story, as we look together at, at, at this incredible journey that you went on on earth, and we look at the story of you entering Jerusalem, God, as we read this story, God, make it come alive in our life. God, as we talk about these questions that come out of this text, God, give us the courage. Give us the courage and the strength to hear your voice. Give us the courage and the strength to not just hear your voice, but be people of action. God, we slow our lives down. And we ask that you be present with us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, can you open up to Matthew chapter 21? And we're going to read this story. For a lot of us in this room, this might be a familiar story. For some of us, it might be brand new. But I want to read this for us. And again, at the end of this story, I want us to walk out of here with two questions to be thinking about. Two questions to be thinking about. And so in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1, and moving on, it says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Now let's just pause for a second. Okay, I shared this with the last service, and I'll share it with you. I think this is like a hilarious passage, right? Like Jesus looks at his disciples, and he picks two of them out of the crowd, and he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this town, and I want you to go up to this guy who's standing next to this donkey that's tied up, and I want you to just look at him in the eyeballs and just say, hey, guess what? The Lord needs that. And he's going to just say, oh, okay, cool, here it is. Right Now, again, I always like to put myself in a story, and I imagine like if I was that person, like if I was one of the disciples and Jesus told me to do that, I don't know what your reaction would be like, but I would probably be like, okay, Jesus is messing with me. Like what an awkward, weird situation to be in, right? Like, uh, like maybe you, you can understand that. You know, if someone walked up to you and was like, hey, so I see you got a car. It's a pretty cool car. The Lord told me that you should give me that car, right? Like what are you going to do? Are you going to hand him the keys? No. 
No, or maybe. Actually, some of you are really generous, so maybe that might happen. If you're like me, you might laugh in their face and say, uh, yeah, whatever. I don't think the Lord said that. Okay? But that's really what's going on here. Like, the Lord says, go do this. And so, so um, picking up in verse 4 and 5, it says this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey which again was prophecy that was spoken hundreds of years before that from Zechariah 9, verse 9. Jesus goes on to say, the story goes on to say in verse 6, the disciples went and they did as Jesus had instructed them. Again, they listened. As, as odd as it might have been, they did as Jesus instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Hosanna is, is, a, is a word, it's a Hebrew expression actually that means save us now. So these people are laying their cloaks, their, gown, their, downs, or their garments on the ground and they're waving branches and they're shouting to Jesus as he enters the city on this colt or on this donkey um, a phrase, save us now. They're all shouting that to Jesus. They're treating him as if he's royalty. They recognize the fact that something significant is happening. Then Matthew 21, verse 10 and 11 go on to say, And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city, and this is such an incredible word, the whole city was stirred and asked what question? Who is this? The whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, in Galilee. And so this takes us to our first question that, that I believe is important for all of us to answer for ourselves and to think about in our own life. And that question is this, and this is a question of importance. And the question is, who is this Jesus? The crowds were asking it, and I think it's important for you and I to answer that question, to look at this question and to be honest about the answer to this question. Who is Jesus to you? And believe it or not, this was a question that everybody was asking. They were chanting Hosanna. They were asking this question. But what's so interesting about the fact that everyone was shout, uh, shouting Hosanna and asking this question is this, and you have to know a little bit of Jewish history, is that the reason why people showed up and were shouting Hosanna was because um, a couple hundred years before that, there was this evil, evil king. And his name was Antiochus. And Antiochus, he was horrible. He was a really, really bad person. And he hated the Jews, hated them. So much so that, that um, he would do things to kind of rub their nose into their faith. For instance, he would sacrifice pigs on the altar. Okay? He would persecute the people. If they're caught with the word of God, like they would be persecuted. He, would just, he, he did everything he could to get rid of the Jewish faith. He was not a good person. And not long after he rose as king, um, the, there, was a, there was a group of people that were called the Maccabees. And the Maccabees um, in 167 BC, um, they were a group of like these, these warriors that took control from Antiochus. And after they had taken control from Antiochus, they came riding in to Jerusalem. And you know what they're riding? They're riding a horse. 
Because symbolism was so important to the Jewish people. And the horse meant that they were these war conquerors. Like they were these people that, that were, were these incredible warriors. And, and, and they, they were, um, the people came out to greet them. And you know what they did? They laid their garments on the ground. And they got palm branches. And they waved the branches. And they shouted, Hosanna. Because it means, save us now. Because the Maccabees had come in and they had saved them from this horrible, horrible person. And so then you translate that to, to what is happening when Jesus is entering. You have all these people that come out and they're laying their garments down and they're shouting, Hosanna, save us now. They were all saying the same thing. But the meaning of what they were saying was very different. You see, it's really easy for us to shout out to Jesus, to say, Jesus, save us. There's people in that crowd that day that were shouting to Jesus to save them, but they didn't want them to be saved so that they would be made new. They wanted Jesus to save them from the Roman rule. They wanted Jesus to be this conquering hero, to ride in on a horse. But Jesus didn't choose to ride in on a horse, did he? He rode in on a donkey. You see, riding in on a donkey, the symbolism of that was of coming in peace. I'm coming as the savior of the world. And so when we talk about this question, a question of importance, when we ask the question, who is Jesus to you? That's the question I have for you. Not for the person next to you, but for you. Who is Jesus to you? What has he done in your life? What, what, are you willing to trust your life to him? Whether you're in middle school, high school, adult, chill, it doesn't, like the question is in a question of importance. Because what we do with our answer to who is Jesus makes a huge difference in our life. Not just today, but for the rest of eternity. And not just for us, but when you and I say yes to Jesus, when you and I are made new in him, guess what he does? He doesn't make your life perfect. But he comes in and he gives you this new meaning in life. He gives you this new meaning in life, this new call in your life to represent him wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you're with. Because when we have an encounter with Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, it can't help but change who we are as a person. And so Jesus enters Jerusalem and people are shouting to him and they're crying out to him. And they're opening their lives up to him. And so my question is, is Jesus truly the Messiah for you? Or is he just a good teacher? Because for some people, they look at Jesus and they go, ah, he said some good things. He's a pretty good teacher. For some people, Jesus is like this lucky rabbit's foot that whenever something goes wrong in their life, they just run to him and cling to him and hope he bails them out of the situation they're in. For some people, they look at Jesus and they don't like Jesus. They think he's a con artist. They think he's fooled people for thousands of years. But there are a lot of people that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he came to earth to be a man, to dwell among us. And that when we trust our lives to him, he will change everything about who we are as the Messiah. I would challenge you, if you are here this morning, I would challenge you to think about the question, who is Jesus to you? And that that's not just a, well, I can answer that question, but like, like if you say, yes, he's truly the Messiah, he's the savior of my life. 
My next question to you is then, how are you living that out? I would say that to myself too. How am I living that out? Is it just something that's up in my head or is it truly seen in the way I live and the way I care for people and the way I treat people? Am I willing to raise my hand in the middle of all my colleagues and friends at school and say, hey, let me tell you about what Jesus did for me and how he changed my life. Maybe some of you are in this room and you say, man, I've never really said yes to Jesus. I've always kind of been skeptical or I've got lots of questions or I don't know if he would really accept me. And I'm just, I want you to know I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. He's not afraid of any of your questions. He's not afraid of your past. He wants you to know that he loves you. He cares about you. He came to dwell amongst us so that he might be our Lord to make us new, to be new creations. He is worthy of your investigation. And I want to challenge you to think about that question. As we enter 2020, that's not a New Year's resolution to make. We all know what happens to most New Year's resolutions. Jesus is not here to be your New Year's resolution. He's here to be your Savior. And so he's looking at you and he's looking at me and saying, hey, who am I to you? The second question is a question of desire. And that question is, am I really drawn to something different? You see, once we say yes to Jesus, the second question is, are we really going to be now drawn to something different? In your heart of hearts, are you really drawn to be someone different, to, do, to, to, to think differently, to live differently, to love differently? Because when we say yes to Jesus, those are things that are incredibly important to us. That's what Jesus requires. And maybe I'm a little strong in what I'm saying, but I believe it with all my life that it's true, that Jesus calls his followers to be different. But different is scary. It doesn't matter if you're a middle schooler. It doesn't matter if you're a high schooler or an adult. Different is scary. Different takes courage. But being the same and being normal is really easy, actually. It's easy. It's safe. But when you are safe about your faith, your faith never gets tested. Because it's easy to blend in like a chameleon to the bubble you surround yourself with. The desire I'm talking about today is a Holy Spirit-led, gut-filled, deep within you that says, because of Jesus, I want to be made new. And when Jesus makes us new, there's something different about your everyday life, about your relationships about your future, about even your next step that you're going to take. Please hear me when I say this. When you want your life to matter, when you want your life to, be, to matter, it won't happen just by accident. It starts with saying yes to Jesus, and then it moves to desire, a desire to be different, to trust him. The Jesus who makes us new is incredible. The Jesus who makes us new is attractive. The Jesus who makes us new is magnetic. He's winsome. He's challenging. He's transforming. But do not be fooled. The Jesus that makes us new isn't weak or soft. And the message to follow him can be very difficult. Jesus is teaching oftentimes was head snapping for people. It made a lot of people uncomfortable. He blew people away with what he called them to do. He was completely revolutionary. The question of desire is this, am I really drawn to follow Jesus? 
with all of my life? And before you answer that, let's consider some of the cost. Following Jesus is not just owning the title Christian or Jesus follower. It's giving up ownership of being in charge of our life. It's saying yes to a relationship with Jesus that is intended to change every part of who you are so that you are made new. The call to follow Jesus is so radical, it's so revolutionary, it's so countercultural, it is so different from the world we live in. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gave us great examples of what it means to follow him. He said things like, don't point out the speck in someone else's eye. Deal with the log in your own. Do unto others as you would have them what? Do unto you. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. Use your resources to impact others. This church is a great example of that. Jesus said, you've heard it said before, don't murder, but I say the anger in your heart is killing people. He said a lot of incredible things. You see, the way of following Jesus is not easy. It's actually radical. And it's worth, it's worth it. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You see, there is the route that the world offers us. Being the same as everybody and aligning ourselves with the world's values, that's easy to do. That's like walking through the wide gate. But following Jesus is not an easy route. For a lot of us who've been walking by the world's ways, I believe Jesus is calling us today as individuals and as a church and as a body to be honest about where we are in our journey with him. Is it hard? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want to go back to the question. The first question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Has he changed your life forever? Or are there parts of your life that you're really clinging to, that you're holding on to because it's just it's too hard to give up? I want to encourage you today to loosen your grip and to trust him with those areas of your life. See what he does. And for those of you that say yes to that, to then also say yes to, to, to having a desire to follow him, to chase after him, whether it's like Mel Murray who goes to India or wherever God calls her to go, go, be there, do that. But there's some of you, and if not a lot of us in this room, that God has called us right here, right here in Kansas City to represent him with a desire to go after whatever he calls us to go after whoever he calls us to go after, to have courage and strength to represent him all of the places where our feet are standing. For those of you that are like, that's me, I want that. I want that in my life. I want that to be a part of it. Guys, you can do this. 
but you can't do it alone. I want to share with you just a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer, but it's a prayer I believe that we can pray. And I believe that if you pray this prayer, not just like right now, but like if you pray this prayer, if this is like who you are, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you do whatever you're doing, like, like if we just like say these words, but not just say them, but put them into practice, I believe that Jesus shows up in powerful ways. I believe Jesus is going to work in and through you to do things that you could not imagine. Here's the prayer. God, I desire you. Nobody else. I desire to live your ways, his ways, not your own. I desire to reflect you today in my life. Can you imagine if we just prayed that line right there? I desire, Lord, to reflect you today in my life, at middle school, at high school, at work, at school, at home, at sports, whatever it is, I desire to reflect you. I desire your will and whatever you bring my way, whatever you bring my way. Life is not easy. There are things that are going to come our way in 2020 that are going to be hard and difficult. But we, when we can trust him, when our desire is to trust his will and to chase after him, whatever he brings our way, man, what a great place to be. And I desire to trust you with all of my life. I desire to be made new. When you and I can get to the point where we can open our lives and say, Lord, this is my prayer. Guys, he will do unbelievable things in our midst. And you know what's going to be fun? Is that none of us are going to be able to take credit for it. None of us are going to be able to stand up here and say, hey, look at me, look what I just did. No, man, when he does something, when he makes us new, like it is, it is, like, it is like we are, you can't even see us anymore because all people can do is see the cross of what he has done. And so this is a, these are two questions for you to think about. I want to encourage you to process them, to think about them. Parents, I would encourage you to actually have a conversation with the kids about it. And kids, if your parents don't want to have it, you have it with them, okay? These are questions that you can ask your friends at work, at school, or whatever. Like, like, these are questions that are incredibly important. And I believe there are places that God is calling us to step into. And so I want to call uh, Mike Jones up and Rebecca Bachelman. And Mike and uh, Rebecca, they're going to share a little bit um, from their life of how this has actually been something that they have kind of wrestled with a little bit and how God has worked in and through them to, um, to kind of live this out. So let's grab a seat right here. Becca, can you grab the mic over there? Perfect. So can you guys um, just give a quick introduction? Uh, I had you say, share something unique about yourself. Um, you can share whatever you want, but um, actually, why don't, you, why don't we just get into the, the first question um, of like living this out, okay? So this idea of saying yes to Jesus, but also this desire to take Jesus to wherever God has kind of planted us. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what that's been like for you and, and a word of encouragement for everybody else? Because I think you guys are real human beings. You're people that sit here every single day and and we're all in this journey together. And so can you share a little bit about kind of the journey the Lord's taking you on and, and how this has been something lived the word, out? The word journey helps. Um, <clears throat> since I specifically wasn't asked about the unique thing, um, it is interesting that uh, our friends say it's interesting that Mel and I met when we were both in jail. Laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous laughter. Um, and so after we had uh, started coming to Hillcrest, we volunteered. Um, at Alpha, maybe I should back up. 
Mel was a program director in detention, in the detention center down in Kansas City, and I taught incarcerated youth uh, down in Jackson County Detention Center. So that opened my eyes, and Mel had already been involved in this profession. After doing Alpha here, Dory Brown suggested that there's a prison Alpha effort going on at Leavenworth. And so part of the journey is we, I don't know if you're gonna say the quote, we didn't cross the street, we crossed the river to go to Leavenworth for um, the last 11 years, every week, and meet with um, incarcerated men who became our small group on Wednesday nights. So the journey is a calling hmm. to be involved with incarcerated people. Yeah. And uh, Mel used to joke that uh, he thought we had more friends in prison than we had out of prison. <laughs> but um, the relationships were so endearing and seeing uh, what God could do for them mm -hmm. grew our faith. Yeah, and so it's safe to say um, that God put it, you know, certainly you said yes to Jesus, but God put a desire in your heart to take him and, and he called you there. Mike, what about you? Like God has put a desire in your heart to not only love Jesus, but also represent um, him and the different places that he has kind of planted you. Talk about that a little bit and what that's been like. Well, I have a question. Um, so last service I shared that I've began writing poetry and I feel like I have a poem that actually goes very well with your message. Do you oh. mind if I read it? How could I say no? Well, you could. You could, Uncle. Yeah, no, yeah, right. This is a poem I wrote, um, gosh, probably about a year ago. And, uh, and I feel like God has actually used this in my life and the life of others. I mean, this is a former college linebacker, entrepreneur who suddenly found my right brain, I guess. Um, and it's called Shattered. And I think it, it speaks to being made new. This is in my own life. Without warning, I hit the ground. The vase shattered into a thousand pieces. My heart bleeds sharp shards of glass. I look, in horror, I look about in horror at the ruins. How did this happen? Was I pushed or did I fall? Isn't there a story about a potter who can heal one and all? I gather the stew in pieces pile of brokenness forms. My heart is caked in choking dust from all the wicked storms. I slowly begin to realize the vase will never be the same, the old one lost forever. I have only me to blame. To repair it, call me Frankenstein, cracked and scarred and weak. To do nothing, I'm still shattered. I hemorrhage, now I leak. Can the potter perform a miracle? Can old clay blend with new? Can the disaster be reversed and form a brand new you? Fire up the ancient kiln, let the reformation start. Mold and shape me by your truth to form a brand new heart. Reform the shattered vase, O Lord, let grace and peace reside. Pour into me to pour into you, make my narrow places wide. So I think that is, uh, you know, that, that is a, uh, one way that I have begun, you know, this last year. Really, I mean, honestly, reaching out to friends and people in my world, you know, even through poetry. So, hmm. That's awesome. And, and Mike, you, you shared a really encouraging word with our staff this last week. Can you share that with the congregation? I think that would, that would be a great word for, for us to hear. Um, so I just felt inspired one morning to write this letter that I shared with Nate and didn't know, honestly, that he was going to share it with the staff. But uh, I was kind of vetting it through him. And... 
Um, he asked me to share for a minute about that, and um, and I just was struck, um, having gone through now. You know, this is the second, you know, transition with pastors, and um, I was struck about Hillcrest and what it means to me, and all that is um, amazing in this church and this body, and you know, in God's perspective, and literally as I was. Um, contemplating which one of the things on a two or three page letter I was going to share, I had this vision in my head of how the Grinch stole Christmas. And the people who were in the Who village standing around with their hands in a circle at the, as the Grinch has actually taken all their presents away, um, and that they really understood the meaning of Christmas. And for us, the way that that I translated that is that, you know, the, the gift of preaching and the gift of senior leadership, there's gifts, there's great gifts here with Nate and the team and the elders here, but a lot of times that prominent shiny gift of feeling like, you know, that that's our church experience, we, we elevate that, and, and, and it's important and it's great and it's a part of it, and um, we honor that, but the real reason we're here as a church are, are so much bigger and so much broader and so much flows from us on our relationships and all the amazing things God does through every person in here and how we're so connected to one another. Um, so I'm very encouraged um, about this season. I would encourage you, whether you're not that affected or whether you're uh, somewhere between undestabilized or angry even, that you would just let God speak to your heart and just go with this journey and use this time to let God draw you close to one another and step up and, and enjoy the, the time that we have um, as God unfolds his path. And I believe he will. I mean, this is a multi-generational church. Yeah. We have a strong group of people here. So, it's yeah. awesome. Um, you got the mic. Um, why don't you just share a little bit about, you guys are both leading a class on Wednesdays. Can you just give everyone just a quick um, overview of your class so they um, can hear a little bit more about it? Um, my class is Timothy Keller, Every Good Endeavor. Um, it's about how God uh, wants to connect our work to his work. And um, he goes into uh, a very, I think, authentic uh foundational view of work biblically and, and, and really tries to bring back around the idea that it's not just a job, it's not just work, but it's our vocation. In fact, he says something amazing. He says, in the very beginning was work. Hmm. In the beginning was God, but in the beginning was work. We work alongside God as co-laborers and, and work as worship. So excited to explore that together. And he's, if you've ever uh, Red Timothy Keller, amazing, amazing teacher, and so really look forward to that. Mel and I will be teaching about restorative justice, and it's a way to share our journey because we've been there for a while. And uh, we'll answer one question, how is God involved with incarcerated people? So in the class, you'll get to meet uh, recently released inmates whose lives were transformed uh, while they were in prison. Uh, we were part of that transformation in that we witnessed it. Uh, Jesus was there. And so that's a big part of the class. The second part, the second question is how God is going to use the church for restorative justice um, and possibly how you can get involved. But the main thing is uh, with that, you'll get to meet Hillcrest people who volunteer um, 
at prison, prison volunteers, and you'll get to hear their story and ask them questions. So I um, hope you'll join us. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, let's uh, thank, you, thank these guys for sharing. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hillcrest. 